This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today, I'm delighted to say, and I think this is the first time since we moved into this new studio, I am joined by our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away. He's very much at home in the studio here, James Pearce. Hiya, Jay. Hello, Ian. How are you? Very good, thank you. It's not my first time in this studio. No, I never said it was yours. I said it's the pair of us together right. at the same time. You weren't listening, were you? That can't be nice. It's, it's true, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's Doyle's never. had about six weeks off. And then, yeah. and then yeah. of course, as we know, James went on holiday to America to watch some football for a week, so that was that. And as you can tell from his dulcet tones, we're also joined by the tallest member of the sports desk, Paul Ghost. Hi, Paul. Afternoon, Ian. Are you feeling tall today? Yeah, as you ever. St- are you standing tall? Oh, of course. Excellent. And in complete opposite to that, it's Joe Rimmer, one of the smallest members of the sports desk. Well, well, one Joe. of, but not, not the smallest <laughs> no, member. No. Taller than James for a start. So really? Joke's on him. Only with the heels on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I've always got them on. Right, James, me and you were down at Melwood today to interview Jurgen Klopp. He was speaking ahead of Monday's game against Crystal Palace, uh, and he mentioned some stuff, uh, the main one really about Joe Gomez, saying that he's you know, backing him to play centre-back this season. What do you think? Yeah, I think it was, it was just Klopp explaining, wasn't it? I think his reasoning behind letting Ragnar Klavan go, obviously, as we record this, we're just waiting for confirmation that there is £2 million move to Cagliari. Uh, as has happened, um, Klopp, you know, until everything was obviously done and dusted, wouldn't didn't want to be, uh, you know, drawn into confirming a hundred percent that Clavan had gone. But I think, you know, he, the way in which he talked up Gomez, I think, pretty much was an explanation for for why he's decided to to sanction that deal. I can understand why people would look at it and maybe go, well, hang on a minute, Liverpool might need Ragnar Clavan at some point this season. You think back to. Last year, and there were key times in the season where they certainly needed him. You know, and he made some big contributions, not least at Burnley um, with with that winning goal. But I just think when you look at the way that Klopp operates and and runs the show, it it never really sits right with him keeping someone who, who doesn't want to be there. And I think because Clavan had made it clear that at this stage of his career, after two years of decent service to Liverpool as a squad player, I think you know what did he do? Rack up fifty three appearances over two years. I think he knew that this time around he was probably going to play less uh, than last year, that Klopp's decided to, to grant him his wish. And certainly the way in which Gomez has performed in pre-season, proving his fitness after that ankle uh, issue last season, and the way in which that blossoming partnership with Van Dijk has, has started off, I think that's been key to Klopp's decision. I mean, Joe, are you surprised that they've allowed Clavon to depart? I mean, he's, he's, as James said, it's not confirmed yet, but it's expected to be. I mean, you know, timing is everything. And I wrote a piece earlier this morning basically saying I, I can't believe that they're letting him go for various reasons. Obviously James has explained why why Jurgen Klopp is quite happy to let him go and the player wants to go himself. But you surprised that they're, they're allowing him to go? I mean he only I think he was only not on the bench or not involved in eleven games last season. Mm, I'm not surprised. I am disappointed because I think quietly he's been a very good player for Liverpool. You know, he's he's filled in really well. Um he's played in some very, very big games the last couple of seasons and, and he's he's never He's never embarrassed himself. He's always put in a good shift. I think he's good. I like I like the fact that he's left-footed, so he gives the defence a little bit of balance. Um, but I think, as James said, Klopp doesn't force people to hang around, and I think he wants to go and play some football, so I don't blame him for going. And with Joe Gomez now moving over to a central position, and the, the emergence of the, uh, Nat Phillips uh, in pre-season. You were going to say his full name then, I was going to say you? Nathaniel <laughs> Phillips. Yeah. I always get confused now because of Nathaniel Klein. But yeah, Nat Phillips... Um, 
has done very well in, in, in pre-season. And I think that's given Klopp a bit of food for thought. I think he probably believes that he would come in and play fourth choice. So, um, yeah, so I think he's, he's allowing Klavan to move on. And not surprised, a bit disappointed, but uh, good luck to him and hope he does well in Italy. Paul, do you feel as though maybe people are... Uh, uh, jumping the gun a little bit with Joe Gomez because he hasn't really played at centre-back much for Liverpool. I think when he did, when he first came back from his from his injury, you know, there was reasons for him not playing particularly yeah. well. But you know, he played there during the summer. Played, I think it was against United in, in one of the friendlies. Had a good game alongside Van Dijk. Played well against West Ham up against Dan Outovic. I mean, do you reckon that really is the reason why Clavin's been allowed to go? Is it, it, it's kind of... That's a show of faith, isn't it, in Gomez, that this is even happening? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, he came in didn't he, three years ago and he's never kind of made any secrets of a desire to, to play centre-back, but he came in as an 18-year-old, I think he was at the time, and he was playing left-back under Brendan Rodgers. He had that bad injury, and then when he came back from that, he's basically played right-back, hasn't he? Shared most of that last season with uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. So I think it, it is, now is the time to kind of move him into his preferred position and give him a go and, and say... You know, you want to, you want to play there, and make it your own. But I am surprised that they've, they've let Clavin go because I kind of think this Liverpool team are on the cusp of something big, and I think that kind of overrides the the desire of the player. I mean, I know James said Klopp doesn't want to keep any player who doesn't want to stay there, but I just think maybe for a few months just keep him there because he will play at some stage. Liverpool have started the season with a bit of a defensive crisis already, and you know you, you could argue that Clavin could have played. You know, as early as Monday, so I'm surprised that they've let Clavin go, but I think it is uh, a big, big season for Gomez. James, the emergence of Nat Phillips over the summer has that made a difference? Do you think is that is that persuaded Jurgen Klopp to to let Clavin go? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's certainly part of the decision. I think Gomez is probably the most, uh, you know, the the key one in terms of him emerging as a as a genuine centre back option for Klopp. But yeah, Nat Phillips. I think you know we talked about him in previous podcasts that. When I was over in Evian in pre-season, Klopp was absolutely eulogising about Nat Phillips and just saying, you know, how much, you know, out of everyone in his squad, he, he was the one player who would who would progress more than any, more than anyone. You know, he, he I think he effectively, you know, let's be honest, at the start of pre-season, he was effectively there just to make the numbers up because there were so many missing post World Cup. But there were so many points in pre-season where Klopp could have, you know, cast him aside or sent him back to Kirby. Um, if needs be, but he wasn't. You know, it was testament to how well he did. The fact that you know he was there for the duration of the America tour, played really well. The same, in, you know, went spent the week in Evian, involved obviously over in Dublin as well. Um, so yeah, you know, that's Klopp genuinely sees Nat Phillips as a potential first team player this season. I think also, you know, you rewind probably four or five months, and Connor Masterson was training regularly with the first team, and at the time he was kind of ahead of Nat Phillips in the pecking order, and. Um, Conor Masterson then missed out on being part of the travelling squad going to Kiev because he, he had a meniscus problem in his knee. Um, and he's now back training again. He was on the bench for the 23s last week. Um, so, of course, he, he's, you know, he, he'll need a period of building back up to where he was. But, um, yeah, it's not just Phillips. There's Masterson as well. And I th- as I think we know with Klopp, he, he likes to keep that pathway open for, for youngsters. I was going to mention that, Joe. There is this example, you know, you've got Trent, you've got, okay, Joe Gomez to a lesser degree, he costs money. But Phillips is, I think, slightly overlooked. I think he's 21, that's right in saying yeah. that, yeah. He was signed for Osney from Bolton a couple of years ago. And I think, as James may mentioned previously, that he's, he had the injury last year that kind of that put him back a little bit. But he has been a surprise name because, to be perfectly honest, there'll be a lot of Liverpool fans who, in July, at the start of July, probably never really heard of him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he took, took me by surprise. I watched a lot of the summer games and... 
I was surprised at how composed he looked, and he did look mature. He looked filled out. He, he was very good in the air. Used the ball well. Never didn't didn't make any nervous mistakes or anything like that. So, yeah, I think he has been the surprise package. Um, and as James said, there's Connor Masterson who, who sort of appeared on the bench quite a lot towards the end of last season. Um, and don't forget as well, Fabinho can play in that role. So it's it's not like Klopp doesn't have options. Um, Matip, of course, is, is coming back to full fitness. So Klopp has got options. Um, I think, don't forget last season, we, we didn't really count Joe Gomez as a centre-half. So when, when you were thinking of the centre-halves, we, we thought of Joe Gomez as a right-back quite a lot. So um, I think it's been overplayed a little bit how much Liverpool need Ragnar Klavan. As much as I like him, I don't think he's absolutely essential. I don't think Liverpool will ever be left totally short in, in, unless there's an absolute crisis this season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as I mentioned, I do find it a little bit strange. I just think this Liverpool team are there now and, and the squad is perfectly settled and um, you're losing a... a Okay, he's he's not going to be playing every week, but he's someone who's who's dependable. He can come in and and you're not particularly worried about him. Whereas Nat Phillips, you know, is is as impressive as he was uh, on the club's summer tour, and as um, as kind of as much as a, a surprise as he's kind of made to the Pill supporters. I'd, I'd still prefer Ragnar Klavan starting the Premier League game over a, an untried 21-year-old myself. I mean, let's James, sorry, sorry, let's not forget that Ragnar Klavan's a five-time. Estonian player of the year. Well, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's over a hundred caps. Well, that's it. He's yeah. got he's got he's got a lot of experience. James, you seem to be pulling a little funny face there. No, that's just my normal one. Clavin <laughs> 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 um, might not be the only departure, James. I mean, the transfer window may have shut for for Premier League team signing players, but I think it's today it shuts for for Italian clubs and then for everybody else, including the likes of the Championship. This is the end of the month, and we can come on a bit about the the whys and wherefores of whether that's right or not, but. You know, there's still a chance that you know the likes of Mignolet, Rigi, and all of them could go, isn't there? There is. I thought it was interesting what Klopp said today about um, how he feels almost like because the English market is is shut, that foreign clubs were waiting and then thinking that English teams who who now wanted to get rid of players uh, that they could get them they could get them on the cheap. And I think you know that was that was kind of the the quote from Klopp that stood out for, in terms of when he was talking about potential other outgoings because clearly, you know, I think I wrote a piece during the America tour in terms of the valuation Liverpool had placed on players that they were looking to, not, not so much looking to move on, but players they were open to offers for before the end of August. And, uh, you know, they got what they wanted for Danny Ings in the end. Um, they got what they wanted with Danny Ward as well, and I know that was before then. Yeah, 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 they, you know, uh, they did. But obviously with a lot of the other ones, you know, probably the the standout one was Origi. I was told they were looking at, you know, 30 million euros for Origi, which, you know, it's I, I can understand where they get that figure from because, you know, he's still young. Um, and has delivered at the highest level, although sadly it's been quite a long time since we've seen him do that for Liverpool. Um, but after you know a really lacklustre pre-season for Marigi, I'm not massively surprised that now we're sat here, what a fortnight before the deadline um, in terms of the European leagues and Liverpool haven't had anything resembling that. Um, and then obviously you've got the likes of the, the Mignolet situation, um, where Liverpool would prefer a permanent you know, £12 million was their, their valuation again. Lots of loan interest in Mignolet, but no one prepared to, to pay anything like that. Chiravella, who was supposed to go... Well, Liverpool had agreed a deal with Rosenberg. Uh, then he didn't want to go there, so that that fell through. Um, you know, Ojo, I'd, I'd expect him still to go on loan to a Football League club before the before the deadline. Um, and then someone like Marco Gruwich, who, you know, we had a story a couple of days ago that Torino were very keen to get him, but they wanted him on a season-long loan with the option to buy him for €10 million. Euros and... That was dismissed out of hand because you know Liverpool 
for a start, they would rather just loan Gruwich because they, they still see him as having a future at the club. And for that stance to change, they'd certainly have to be offered, I think, probably double um, what Torino will kind of say and they'd be prepared to pay in, in 12 months' time. So... Yeah, I think a lot. All, I think I think a lot, a lot could you know will still happen between now and the end of August because the squad is too big. I think you only have to look at the the array of names that weren't even on the bench last weekend, and you know, and just it, it's difficult to see to see a way back for them. Um, obviously, Lazar Markovic, you know, is another one that you'd, you'd throw into that list. You know that what will be bringing the curtain down on, on, uh, <laughs> on an that. illustrious career. Yes, yeah. He'll, he's all, he'll always have Sunderland, Sunderland away. away yeah. Yeah. Blackburn away in pre-season. Ah, to be fair, he did. Score, he had a good oh, game. Great, Blackburn targeted good. him as well. He did well to come through that one. Mm. Scored against Tottenham. Big goal. Yeah, he did. Hang on, why are they selling him? <laughs> <laughs> no doesn't make any sense. He's not it? very good. <laughs> there is that. Joe, uh, picking up on what Joe just said. <laughs> James. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Joe, uh, picking up on what James just said. Um, do you think the fact that Liverpool have spent a lot of money on certain positions has made it painfully obvious to other teams? And I know it's not just Liverpool. This, this applies to all of the teams who spend big. Liverpool spent that much money on a goalkeeper. Everybody now knows, right, they need to get rid of a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to go, well, you need to get rid of him. You know, We can just wait and wait and wait until the last possible minute because we know that there'll probably come a point where you'll go, right, we definitely need to, to get rid of him. And it's not just there, it's in midfield. And you could argue, you could argue to a certain degree, centre-back as well. Definitely. I just can't see Liverpool getting anywhere near the types of money that they want for certain players. What was your reaction when you saw the Origi valuation? Did you think that's slightly um, ambitious? Slightly, yeah. I mean, £30 million for Origi, it's just, it's just crazy amounts of money. But is that, not just, that is that not just the going rate for... Forget how he's played over the past years. James said, if you look, if you write your CV down and have a look at it and go, well, there you go, this is him. It is, but as, as you say, Liverpool are in a position where come the end of August... Everyone knows Origi's not going to get a game. He'll want to leave, and a club will come in and say, "We'll have him on loan, but we're not paying the money." And he'll he'll want to go. And, and l- unless Liverpool force him to spend the year sitting on the bench or in the reserves, which they're not, they're not going to do, he, he's going to just sit. He's, he's going to he's going to go, isn't he? He's going to go on loan. So it's the same for Mignolet. I, I just can't see them getting those fees. And I think you either sell at the start of the summer and get decent money for them, or you have to accept that they're in a position now where they have to accept loans or very much reduced prices. Paul, there's one thing that we haven't spoken about throughout this summer, and I think it's something that I think has been slightly overlooked, is the fact that nobody has realistically been linking any of Liverpool's top players away from the club. And this must be the first time in a transfer window for a very long time that that's been the case. I mean, before it started, obviously, there was Real Madrid for for Mo Salah, and then there was a little whisper about Sadio Mane, but that went very quiet very quickly. And as for the rest of the team, it, it you know, it seems as though... They seem to know that Liverpool is a you know a team that's on the up and up, and then trying to nick their best players unless they're going to spend an absolute fortune like Barcelona did with Philippe Coutinho, who was somebody who wanted to go for personal reasons. It's not going to happen, is it? Yeah, well, I think this is what happens when you you, you perform. You know, Liverpool went all the way to the Champions League final and kind of re-established themselves as a as a big European force, and I think Liverpool are just kind of reaping the benefits of that now. Um, the Mohamed Salah stuff. I don't think there was anything ever serious in that. And then you look beyond that, and th- there was nothing. Was Liverpool obviously sold Philippe Coutinho, who had been courted for a long time by Barcelona, and at the moment they're, they're kind of just, you know, reveling in the fact that they've got a settled squad, a manager who, who believes in them all, and there's absolutely no reason for them to sell. And, and you know, they're, they're a team who are definitely on the up. James, the uh, the debate about when the transfer window should shut. I mean, this time last year, 
you know, all the managers were saying, we need it to be closed before the start of the season. We can't be doing, we're trying to prepare for games well. There's all this speculation. And of course, that was Coutinho as well, that particular time. And the other way, it was like Lamar and Van Dijk and all of those kind of players and Cater as well. Do you think that that's right? Because now a lot of the managers, you can tell they're changing the tune a little bit, thinking, well, hang on, now these top clubs want to come and pick up our players and they're trying to turn their heads knowing quite well that we can't then replace them. Yeah, I think I think the thinking behind it was sound, um, and I must admit, at the, at the time, I thought you know you you can that that it, that makes complete sense. But I think the, the way in which it's panned out, it, it wasn't great that it was brought in in a World Cup year, which then I think so much business w- wasn't going to happen till after the tournament. Then it was condensed into such a a short period of time. I mean, L- Liverpool, um, you know, thankfully got most of their business done early. Um, and you know, didn't weren't involved in that kind of crazy, you know, uh, last ditch shopping spree that a lot of other clubs were, were, were getting involved in. But yeah, I, I still I still don't think it makes much. You know, it, I think having having the transfer window shut before the first game, is a, is a great idea. But I think it only works properly if all the other European leagues mm. fall in fall into line with that. And I don't know how it will pan out. Whether whether they'll get together, the you know, uh, like a UEFA level and. And decide that they're going to they're going to fall into line with the Premier League. You know, if, if they don't, then I think the Premier League might have to think about going back to the old way because, yeah, it's not sustainable to to do it like this. Where, you know, you've now got a situation where you, you could effectively have one of your top players, you know, unsettled by interest from abroad, um, knowing full well that you you know you 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 know you can't do anything about it because your hands are completely tied in terms of bringing anyone else in yourself. Does that put a bit of power into back into the players' hands, Joe? I mean, I'm looking at the situation at Manchester United with Paul Pogba. He, he may or may not be unhappy. It seems like now he's saying that he's not. And Mourinho said exactly the same thing. But Barcelona came in and just went, here we go, £150 million, Paul. Do you want to come over here? That's Paul Pogba, by the way, not Paul Ghost. Again, what, though? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- there's that danger, isn't there? I mean, is this something that we probably won't see this next season? Yeah, well, think back to last summer and the speculation about Coutinho. I mean, it, if Liverpool were in that position again, let's say the worst happened and Real Madrid did decide, did decide they want Salah and Salah wanted to go, it's a terrible position to be in. And as James says, I just don't think it makes sense. It doesn't make sense for the Premier League to close theirs early and then everyone else to carry on. I, I just, I can understand the, the logic behind it, but it only works if everyone does it. So it, it was a flawed thing to to do from the very beginning and I think it'll just go back to normal next year um, yeah and they'll never get Paul for 150 million <laughs> Ghost are you, f- are you a fan of the transfer window or are you quite happy to see the back of it um, well I, I agree with Joe I think it's it's quite refreshing that's been brought in before the season uh, not least for the likes of us who are getting asked about <laughs> announce for Keir and this that and the other and we've said the F word yeah. come on we've, we've, we we've spoken the, about this we can draw the line in the sand before the season's even begun but I just think it's either one or all um, all or nothing. You either everyone across Europe does it, or no one does it, and you just do it at the end of August. Um, but I'd like to see it brought in, um, basically be enforced across Europe before the season begins, and I think that'll be uh, beneficial to everyone. A little bit of non-Liverpool-related news, James, that came out this week. Certainly not directly Liverpool-related, but from Spain, where they've announced that they're going to have one of the regular La Liga games will be taking place over I think it's in America yeah. uh, this season for the part of a 15 year deal with the people who did the International Champions Cup which of course Liverpool have been in quite a few times in, in recent years I mean it's, it's prompted talk of this 39th game thing again I mean 
for Liverpool fans, because let's be honest, they're likely to be one of the teams, if it does go ahead in England, to play a game somewhere else in the world. Do you think this is right? Because if they're playing, if they've got a scheduled Anfield game, all the home fans will, will miss out on that, and Liverpool could lose home advantage. But then, if if it's an away game, it could be the reverse. They could then get a massive advantage because they would be one of the more popular teams going out there. Or do we? Is it just? Does it just become the thirty ninth game? Well, there's that as well. Well, then, then should that happen? Well, no, I don't. I don't think it should happen because they'd have to. Everybody would have to go there, and then you might have a. You might. It'd be great if it was Liverpool against United in America, but let's just say it's Bournemouth against Wolves in Dubai. How many people are going to go and watch that? <laughs> so, so is the, the La Liga game? Is that? It's a regular a game. Regular game. A regular just season. one, one yeah, regular game. Not yes. round of games, just literally one yeah. game. It's like the NFL that they the, do with the, the NFL at it Wembley. It, it, well, it doesn't really work either way, does it? Because it, if it's a regular game, well, then that, that does impact on, on the on clubs. The, yeah, yeah. But if it's not, then no one no one's bothered. Yeah. And it's well, just then it may as well just be the international. It may as well just be the way that it is in the moment. So it's going to be a regular game. It's basically, there's, it'll be Barcelona or Real Madrid will play one of their games over there. It's nonsense. I think it will happen, Premier League. I don't know quite how... How they'll manage to come up with a a scenario that doesn't create such a massive backlash that they that it doesn't go ahead. But I think the way that it's gone now is such a you know you only have to look at the the TV deals over the overseas fees that it brings in from every single corner that I think it's inevitable that that Premier League games will be played you know whether it's America or China or wherever at, at some point because I, I think also the other thing that struck me about being in America this summer was that. You know, the Liverpool United game, and to a, probably a lesser degree, Liverpool City in New Jersey, they they still pulled in massive crowds. But a lot of the crowds for the International Champions Cup games were really poor. And I think I think what the organisers have found with that is that fans over in America have become a bit more discerning. Yeah. And where where before just the name of Real Madrid are playing Inter Milan or whatever would just pack out a stadium because the, the tickets are so expensive as well. You're talking about kind of. 150 200 dollars for for seats at these games and i think i watched i was, I was in the hotel in ann arbor one night watching i think it was barcelona tottenham and literally recognized about four people out of the 22 that were out there again that could and because it's world cup year well, as well, well, well yeah. that's what i mean yeah, yeah. that's that's why i think they, it became such a much more difficult sell because people weren't just prepared to pay big money just to see you know the the, the name of the club it was because there were so many star players missing that the organisers found it actually, you know, a, a really, really tough sell in general. So it doesn't surprise me that suddenly this is back on the agenda because, obviously, you know, it, you know, they try and brand it as a competition. There, there was actually a league table. Tottenham won, didn't they? For, they finally yeah, won actually, something. Well done. Tottenham won. Yeah, Tottenham won it. About nineteen teams. Yeah, nineteen <laughs> teams. They, they, they played three games three each. Games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Liverpool finished fourth or third, something like that. Champions League. Yeah, yeah, well yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. So, Top four, yeah. You know, people aren't stupid. They. You know, mm. they they know. I think they. <laughs> I, I think. No, I think. I think in general now they've cottoned onto the fact that those games are absolutely pointless, <laughs> and and not surprisingly, they want more. When you say pointless, do you actually mean in terms of the end result? Not. You know, they're not pointless. Well, no. they're, they're not point. They they'd want to see Mohamed Salah yeah, and yeah, all yeah, of them. Don't up, get me yeah. Wrong. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and obviously. You know, they weren't pointless for. Do you, do you mean the ad- literally the outcome of it, like the result? Yeah, the you know, yeah. They, they try, yeah, yeah. What I mean is, they, they the organisers try and brand it as like as a league. Yeah, the fact that the yeah. fact that Joe didn't even know there was a league. Yeah. What, what, why don't I knew there was a league? <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked at it before and I knew there was a league. Don't say that. But I, I, 
<laughs> Why don't they just put the community shield or the super well? That'll cup that'll be it, won't it? That'll be well. The super Spain, cup Spain, Spain did that. Their super cup was in Morocco on Sunday yeah. Yeah, when yeah, Barcelona played. Well, I mean, where they played I mean the, the actual European super cup. I mean, I know it, it seems mad to put the European super cup abroad, but you but guaranteed two big clubs, aren't the you? The European then? super cup. That, well, that's what the Champions yeah, League final the versus. The yeah, but they already do, the they already team. do that. They already did that. Yeah, that's already play in Monaco. Well, no, they, 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 were, they were in Estonia this year. Yeah, but did that, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is 2018, Joe. You do realize this, don't you? But you mean take it? You mean take it out of Europe? Yeah, take it out of Europe and just stick it in America or wherever they want to go. Well, I mean, the Community Shield's the obvious one there, isn't it? I think that's probably what they will do. But then don't. But then again, this goes back. This could that could easily be Liverpool. So if you're a Liverpool fan, you go, oh great, want to go the Community Shield? Oh, it's in. Canberra but, but, or but, somewhere but like that. It would less than a league game or, or a cup game, wouldn't it? But I, say it was a league game then? I, I don't know. I, I think you speak to, to fans from like Australia and uh, I speak, spoke to a few from um, Indonesia and India and America, Canada. And the, the whole point of it is to make that journey. They support Liverpool, so they make that. They see it as a pilgrimage, don't they? Some people to, to come and watch a game at Anfield and to kind of plonk a game up in, you know, say they had in Ann Arbor just for the sake of the, the attendance and. And th- let's face it, bottom line is the money do you think they can make from it all. It, it just doesn't sit right with me. I just think Liverpool play at Anfield, you know, Manchester United play at Old Trafford, and that's where 38 Premier League games or, you know, 18, whatever it is, should be played there every season. It, I don't think it's right myself. I suppose the problem with putting the Community Shield there is it's meant to be a game for charity. <laughs> and you take a, a charity yeah. game. Yeah, that's true. And then well, stick I'm it out abroad and say, well, we're making loads of money, actually, in fact, from it. So I, th- I think they've got a fan of the way it is at the moment, the l- lucrative friendlies and. No, I, I quite like the International Champions Cup as bizarre a format as it is. Did <laughs> <laughs> you, you enjoy it? Were you engrossed? Yeah, were you engrossed? Yeah. It just seemed to me every time you turn the telly on, like Premier Sport, there was like a game on from somewhere <laughs> yeah. around the world. It's like, what is this? Let's go Madrid playing next year, man. Something. Oh, did this Lou? Let's watch this. Yeah, but it's like the reserve team, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but you know. I, I just like the fact that. you love the format of, <laughs> yeah. a, of a 19 team league <laughs> and you only play three games. I can't stand it. Yeah. All, these, all these NFL games, are, just keep it over there. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want NFL over here. It's, it's rubbish. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, actually, <laughs> glad you mentioned that because I hadn't written that down. The Tottenham thing's interesting, isn't it, James? I'm not sure whether you mentioned this earlier this week on, on the previous pod, but the fact that Liverpool were due to play the first game at the new White Hart Lane, and now it looks like it's going to be at Wembley again. And Tottenham, they're not going to—they might not be playing in their new ground till next year. I mean, is that that must be an advantage not just to Liverpool but to the other teams chasing the title as well? Yeah, I think it, I think it is. I think you know you've seen a lot on social media this week about pretty disgruntled Spurs fans who you know had hoped they'd seen the back of of having to to go to Wembley regularly. But yeah, there's talk of them. Is it till Christmas? Is that what they've... Well, it's definitely going to be till mid-October. Definitely mid-October, but they've got an option till the new year. But I know all the way through the summer, there was whispers that they were miles off in in terms of getting the... The cheese room ready, yeah. So, yeah, I think that definitely definitely benefits Liverpool, I think, the fact that despite, obviously, it went horribly wrong (laughs) at Wembley (laughs) last year, I, I still think... You know, if you, you know, that would have been a, a massive showpiece occasion to to be at, you know, at Tottenham for their first, uh, you know, home game. I just think all the all the stuff around it would have would have fired Spurs up. I think I think it, yeah, it's it's definitely better for Liverpool. I think that it's that it's at Wembley, and uh, yeah, hopefully it won't be the last time we get to go down there this season. Joe, yeah, one hundred percent. I don't when I, when the fixture list came out, Liverpool was set to be the first team there. I just thought that was a horrible one because they're going to make that massive atmosphere. They're really going to want to make it a memorable one. And um, 
with it being at Wembley, you hope that the sort of enthusiasm to play at Wembley has gone a little yeah. bit now. So I don't think that the atmosphere will be quite as good. So, um, yeah, I think James is spot on. I think you can kind of look at Liverpool's, um, you know, when the, the main stand was unveiled in September 2016, was it? And they played Leicester, who were the champions at the time, and Liverpool just completely battered them out of sight. And it, mm. was, a, it was a great day, and it was uh, the highest attendance for, you know, 40 years or whatever it was. And it's it's a similar thing. You know, mm. Tottenham fans would have made a, a hell of a noise that, that if it would have been at their new stadium. So I think that does benefit Liverpool, yeah. yeah. James, another thing that could benefit Liverpool is uh, injury for Kevin De Bruyne, Manchester City. He's out for the next two, three months. He won't be playing against Liverpool in October. I mean, again, this is just one of those things, isn't it? What do you mean by that? <laughs> 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 question, I was hoping you'd help me out with that one. <laughs> it's just one of them things, isn't it? He's right. I, I think, think the point... The po- <laughs> <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Next point. The point being, that's one of those things that could benefit Liverpool, but they yeah. probably wouldn't want it to be in that manner. No, no. And, and I mean, their bench isn't bad, is it? I think you, know, you look at the options that he was able to, to turn to last weekend. Um, so, yeah, I think when, when a rival loses someone like him who you know he was the the closest competitor to Mo Salah in terms of the player of the year award last year um it, it re- yeah it reduces their their power slightly but yeah I, I still think that squad is is deep enough you know it's effectively the the same firepower that, that got 100 points in the Premier League last season plus Riyad Mahrez so you, you look at the way Raheem Sterling started the season last week um so yeah it all it will dent them slightly um, but I think when you look at also, you know, you look at City's fixtures over the next couple of months. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> they I, could, by the time they play Liverpool, they could have eighteen yeah, points out of eighteen. I was, yeah. I was struggling to see, you know, where, whether uh, you know where they could possibly slip up. So um, no, it's you know may, maybe it's a little bit of a, a boost in terms of re- reducing them a bit, but I don't think it'll have a, a huge impact on the title race. Joe, a lot of people are saying that he's perhaps the one player that City can't afford to lose. So I'll ask you a question then. Who's the one player that Liverpool can't afford to lose in terms of somebody getting injured for being out for three months? The one that perhaps they could least do without? Good question. Van Dijk. He's due Van one. Dijk. Yeah, he's yeah, due. Yeah, I had to make up for that last one to be fair. Clawed it back. <laughs> yeah, Virgil van Dijk. I think he's made a massive difference since he's come in and I think he's settled the defence down and you wouldn't want them to, especially <laughs> after we've just talked about them, yeah. <laughs> sell it, selling Clavan. You wouldn't want them to be sort of been messed up by by an injury to him, so yes, to him. But to De Bruyne, I don't care if if Man City are down to their under 16s and every player gets injured for the rest of the season. I'm not happy. I'm, I don't care. You're not I, happy. I, I, you are. You are. You are. I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy. Sorry, <laughs> I, I don't care how they do it. If Liverpool end up winning the league because Man City get all their players injured, that's great. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The, the charity shield there with Joe Rimmer. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, Ghosty, what do you think? Which play? I'm, I have to admit, I'd say Van Dijk yeah, as well, to be I'd, fair. Yeah, I probably would have went along for that. But um, if not Van Dijk, then Mohamed Salah, maybe. Liverpool's biggest goal threat. Just ahead of... Not Sadi. Firmino? Not Firmino? Because he's the mm. one player that we've always we've written about forever, about the players yeah, impossible yeah. to replace. I think Salah probably just edges out Firmino and Mane. But I'd, I'd go with Salah. But uh, yeah, I'd agree with Joe Van Dijk. Liverpool can't afford to lose their best defender. Jake? Alisson. 
he's only played one game. I know, but you'd be Carrius back in goal. If he's psychological, mm, yeah, yeah. That, that would that would feel that's like that's a, a massive a, goal a, you've just made there, James. Yeah. Well, do you know what? I, I, the smart answer was Van Dyke, and obviously so that's why you haven't given it. Yeah, yeah. Never for a minute did I think Joe was going to come. But he did, so I'm about to think of something else. You were allowed to say the same player if you wanted to. You can change your mind to Van Dyke. I, no, he, just I, he doesn't want to copy me, does he? No, no. But it's a good, <laughs> it's a, it's a good, uh, good thing that we've, we've, we can name a few players, isn't it? Rather than just Luis Suarez or Steven Gerrard or you know whoever. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no. It's a good point. Yeah. yeah. No, Sorry, been, I was, I was, we'd, we'd have all come up with the same answer. Yeah. But we did. We did all come up with the. But we did all come up with the same answer. Yeah. Yeah. We had a second choice. No problem. It's not a one-man team, is it? That was that was quite often the allegation thrown at Liverpool when they've been half decent in the last fifteen, twenty years that there was there was one person carrying them. I don't think I don't think anyone would claim that's the case anymore. Fair enough. Uh, we'll move on to Crystal Palace in a bit, but first, Liverpool have agreed a deal to sign somebody this week, haven't they, Jay? It's a youngster, Mr. Hoover. Yes, I, d- I think that's how you pronounce it. Who, yeah, 16 year old, uh, very talented fullback from Ajax, um, who'd, yeah, they've uh, you know, beaten off competition from a, a host of top European clubs, not least Chelsea, Man United, and Man City had all uh, monitored him, his, his, his progress closely. Um, yeah, I spoke to a few people over in Holland who. Who said that Ajax aren't happy in in terms you know devastated I think is the devastated word to, use, yeah. to uh to lose him because you know, he was you know, he, he was pretty much played week in week out in the the under seventeen era divisie last. That was an acceptable yes, pronunciation. Yes, yes, come on. Was, Go I've been working on that. <laughs> <laughs> Go and have a word with Christian. He'll know how to pronounce it. Go to me. So yeah, he was. You know, one of the one of the brightest talents at Ajax's academy, um, who they had great hopes for, and because he was only he's only sixteen, he hadn't signed a professional contract. Event that Liverpool were able to to get him this summer for just a nominal compensation fee for for his development. Is, is, is that just one of those things? I'm going to say this phrase again. Just one of those <laughs> things in in modern football because it could be the other way around where Liverpool could lose somebody like Rian Brewster. Could have happened to him. Could yeah, it be the other yeah, way around. Yeah. Is this just could have gone unfortunate the... for Ajax? Yeah, it's just it's just the way it works, isn't it? I think you know we've seen it previously where you know if, if a player just goes abroad, there's uh, there's, a, there's a set UEFA compensation fee. I think it's you know, it's based on how many years you know uh, you know that player's been at that particular club and how much work they've put into into bringing him through. But yeah, because he was he was still before he had you know he'd never penned a pro deal. It meant that the money involved was was minuscule really in the context of, of modern football. Um, so yeah, Liverpool just waiting on international clearance for him now. So he's been training with Barry Lutus's under eighteen squad. Um, couldn't play last week, and I think I think they hope within the next fortnight they should get that international clearance. Um, and then you know he'll be given the green light to to get his Liverpool career underway initially with the eighteens. But you know I get the impression there's you know there's so so much kind of excitement around him that it, it probably won't be too long before we see him make the step up to the twenty threes, uh, predominantly a right back. Um, but I think long-term wise, they see him playing centre half. Um, and I, I think the big thing was, I spoke to a few people this week about him who, who said that the reason why Liverpool won the race for him is because him and his family had, had looked at, you know, the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold and seen what's happened to him. And you know that was what kind of skewed the decision Liverpool's way. The fact that they know there's that clear pathway for kids 
at Liverpool, which you know you, you don't really get at, at, at many other top European clubs. I mean, the under 18s start their season to tomorrow against Sticks United, isn't it? Saturday okay. morning, Saturday United, morning yeah. and uh, the under 23s are playing the first home game, which is at Anfield t- tonight. Me and yep. you, Jay, we're recording this on Friday afternoon, by the way. Uh, go and watch Tottenham. I mean, is there any names that you expect to see coming through over the next 12 months? that haven't already been mentioned. Yeah, I mean, well, he's been mentioned probably a few times on this pod, but one, you know, I'd expect to make, you know, a fair amount of headlines. Certainly Echo is Bobby Duncan, um, you know, a 17-year-old striker who joined joined the club for Manchester City this summer. Uh, of course, he's Steven Gerrard's cousin. Um, you know, he'd had a, you know, I think it's fair to say he's keen to make up for lost time after you know, pretty much missed a whole season last season because... There was a contract issue. Wait, he, he refused to sign a contract at Man City because he, again, similar to what we just said about the Dutch kid, he didn't feel as if there, there was a pathway for him at City. Um, you know, the compensation fee would have would have been would have been sky high if you're trying to get it off another Premier League academy. Um, so he was essentially unattached for the for, for most of last season, but still got picked for England the 17s. And then this summer, Liverpool were finally able to to thrash out an agreement with City just for a few hundred grand. Uh, scored on his debut last week when the 18s thrashed Sunderland 6-1. Um, so yeah, I'm looking, yeah, looking forward to seeing how they. I mean, a lot of that under 18s group now, you know, it's, it's quite a young group. Um, but obviously, what because of what happened in the second half of last season with a lot of the under 23s players going out on loan, it meant that the, you know the likes of Curtis Jones and Rafa Camacho had to step up to the eight, uh, to the 23s, and then a lot of the 16s stepped up. So they. I think that will stand them in good stead. The fact that a lot of them were needed in the last few months, of last season. But uh, yeah, I was down at the academy this week, you know, doing a chat with Neil Critchley and, and with Barry Lutus. Um, Barry Lutus, re- really nice fella. From you know, grew up in Fazakali, just down the road from Liverpool's academy, um, and you know knows he's got some big boots to fill, taken over from Steven Gerrard. But um, you know, the, I think you know it, it says a lot about how highly Liverpool rate him as a coach. The fact that Alex Inglethorpe kind of cast his net far and wide when they were looking for a successor to Gerrard and you know the, the fact that they decided the answer was right under their nose with, with Lutus having worked with the under-16s previously um, and he's uh, he's certainly made a decent impression so far you know, I think he had two weeks with them pre-season on a tour of Hungary and Slovakia then obviously thrashed Sunderland uh, last weekend and you know obviously uh, Manchester United at home is not a bad one for him to to get his uh, his, his kind of uh, Kirby stint underway on Saturday morning Joe, I mean, you look at the way that the likes of Trent come through and with Steven Gerrard being in charge of the under-18s for certainly last season, is there now kind of more focus on the youth levels at Liverpool than perhaps there ever has been in the past, partly because last season obviously was the Gerrard factor, but now there's also that sense of people want to see who is going to be the next one because, say, about 30 years ago, there was never any, hardly ever any chance of a player coming through the ranks at Liverpool. In fact, they were renowned for it. Yeah. And then... In the 90s, that changed a bit. You look at Fowler, McManaman, and those kind of players. He, you know, Mike Lowen as well. Yeah. You can go through Dominic Matteo. There's, there's all kinds of players like that. And since then, that's kind of continued. But, you know, it's coming back a little bit now, isn't it? And because Liverpool yeah. have become so successful, and you see Trent playing in a, in a Champions League final, which is, was about 16 months after he'd made his first Premier League start, you know, fans now want to see who is going to be the next one because they've got the trust in the whole youth setup that they think there's going to be a player there. Yeah, I think this is the... This is the in twenty years. I think this is the most players I've I've ever seen sort of knocking at the door of the first team group. You think of, you know, obviously you've got Trent who's who's in there, and then you've got the likes of Curtis Jones, Rafa Camacho, who's academy product, and then you've got 
that Phillips and Connor Masterson, as we've mentioned before. Brewster. Uh, Brewster. And yeah, of course, I mean a, lot of, a lot of these players have played this summer in... The International <laughs> Champions Cup. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Which is why they're <laughs> playing against the likes <laughs> of, you know, it might not be United's first choice team, but it's still United in front of 100,000 people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah definitely. And, it, and those sorts of games will help them, won't they? Let's yeah. face it. And they, they have played against some big players. So, um, yeah, it... it it does have its benefits, but yeah, I think it's it's a real exciting time, and, and Klopp seems to strike a very good balance between buying big players and and the big the big sort of signings and managing to still give these lads enough game time to to let them know that at Liverpool you have got a chance, and it can only help them. Look, look at the way Trent's blossomed. I mean, l- last season when he first came in, I had some worries about the way he defended, and you thought he's obviously talented on the ball and definitely a, a really good young player but is he ready for, for to be a regular well, he's, he absolutely is and the way he's developed over the course of a season has been phenomenal and you know hopefully the same can can be said of the likes of Curtis Jones and, and Nat Phillips going into the next couple of years Paul Jurgen Klopp with his propensity for for hugs and also for instilling people with such belief and self-confidence is he in some ways the ideal manager to be playing for or to have at a club to help bring through youngsters Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, you've only got to look at it as trusting Trent Alexander-Arnold. I mean, he was only in the team because Nathaniel Klein got injured, but, you know, he kind of rotated him with another youngster, Joe Gomez, last season. He was never concerned about going into the market to buy a more established fullback. He just gave them two a go. Trent obviously nudged ahead in the pecking order and he's, he's ended up going to the World Cup with England and playing his part in going to the Champions League final. Um, so... I, I can't think of a, off the top of my head of a, of a more ideal manager for a young player looking to, to make his name in the Premier League. Arsene Wenger was great for, for, for you know however many years at Arsenal he's gone and now I, I think Jürgen Klopp's probably taking that mantle. And I suppose um, another key uh, proponent of that is the fact that he's looking to give Rian Brewster a, a shot in the team. Um, he wasn't looking to buy a striker in the summer because he knew Brewster would be coming back from his ankle injury at some point and he's going to get a go uh, as and when. James, a quick one. What's happening with Sadio Mane's contract? Um, not an awful lot at the moment, I don't think. Um, you know, Klopp was asked about it. Uh, I think it was the back end of the the tour of America, and um, you know, the 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 message was pretty clear that you know Liverpool are ready to talk about an extension when whenever he's whenever he wants to. I think Liverpool are very relaxed about the situation. I think people obviously kind of pounce on it because obviously out the front three, he's the only one who hasn't penned. A, a long-term extension in the last six months, but he's still got three years yeah, yeah. left. You know, he's only two years into a five-year deal, so it's not. You know, there's, I think I think Liverpool made contact with his representatives, kind of March, April time, um, and of course there's a there's a very good relationship there because you know he shares the same agent as Naby Keita, who obviously Liverpool did the deal there with, and just made it clear then to his representatives that they would be more than happy to sit down. Uh, and talk about uh, a, a long extension to his contract. Now you know the ball's in Sadio Mane's court, so you know, there's there's, uh, there's nothing to, to to be worried about on that score at the moment. I think as we touched upon before, you know it's a very happy place to be at the moment, an exciting place to be as well with you know the squad that Klopp's assembled and and you know that belief that they can really push on this season, having reached the Champions League final. So. Um, no, I, I don't think there's any concerns about. I don't get there's any the impression there's any worry at all that that Mane hasn't, you know, sat down and put pen to paper yet. I, I just don't think there's any particular rush when he's got three years as, as it is. 
Joe, we'll finish then with, with Crystal Palace. I mean, Sellers Park, Monday night, live on television. It's, it's enough to bring a tear to you, isn't it? <laughs> 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 yeah, it's well, well done, that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you just had that one yeah, saved, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, apart from Christine crying. But in, terms of, Joe. in terms of memories for, for um, Crystal Palace, it's a strange place, isn't it? Because it's one of those places that you think, oh, that's a tough place to go. And It I is. Have you tried it, driving there? Well, yeah. But I think, I think that... It's because they are always tense games and Liverpool have made been made to work to win. But other than the Ricky Lambert yellow kit defeat, yeah. I can't think in they've recent a, history well, they've, had a good, they've yeah. got a, they've good got record a good record. record they've last last won their last four yeah. there, yeah, yeah. including the FA Cup tie. But they've mm. always had to work for it. And the, the, the Benteke last-minute penalty last year was a late one. Yeah. Salah, wasn't it? Salah, yeah. 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 Liverpool were terrible there last yeah. year when it came lucky the to not get sent off, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. There was yeah. The 4-2 four, the yeah. game as well. Yeah, of course. With Matip yeah. and yeah. Lovren scored, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. That, that was a bit more... They made them sweat for it later on. They, they started well Liverpool that day, though, didn't they? I think so, yeah, I think it's, it's one of them. So the 3-3, three, three, even the 3-3. Three, three. Well, it was only 3-3 three, three because Liverpool well, just went for yeah, goals. It would have been there, yeah. They were trying to win 11-0, weren't they? Yeah. So um, I, don't, I still don't understand why he cried there. <laughs> they lost to the Chelsea was the one, wasn't it? Yeah. Mo- moving on, Gorsty. I mean, what's your your take? Crystal Palace is that still going? Is it? St- I mean, Palace themselves. This time last year, they went up something like seven games without scoring a goal, didn't they? At the start of the season, since yeah, Roy the, Hodgson, the, we have the we first have six games. Yeah, they didn't win. We have to mention Roy Hodgson. He come in. He's turned around. They finished mm. last season quite reasonably strongly. They've they've started with a, a win at Fulham. You know, Zaha's just signed a new contract. So it, it, Liverpool will be going to a Sellers Park that that will be bouncing, even if, as we've found out today. Maybe not quite as much as it used to be because the ultras aren't turning up for the game. Yeah, it usually is, isn't it? When when they go down there and they will be buoyed by the fact that their best players just signed the new contract. Um, it's huge news for them to, to keep hold of him. He's, I think I've said it before, he's probably the best player in the Premier League outside the top six for me, Wilfred Zaha. Christian Bentehe can't have as bad a season as he had last season and it will be a, a tough test. But I, I've kind of fallen into the trap that I think a few have and, and you always think of Crystal Palace as being this really tough place to go. But... When Joe's re- relaying it back there, you realise that actually Liverpool have got a, a good record and there's no reason why they shouldn't go there. It's on always Monday, a tough know. game though, isn't it? You know oh, you're going to have to yeah, proper but, you know, scrap it out. And, and the more that Liverpool win there, the more likely it is the next one that Palace are going to win. Yeah, <laughs> but Liverpool will have to roll up the sleeves and, and have a fight and if, if they do that, then they've got the quality to, to beat them. Will this be the first real test then of, of Alisson, your man they cannot get injured? <laughs> yeah, I think it will be a much busier night for him than, than the than the 90 minutes he had against West Ham. I think he'll be put under pressure. I think there's no doubt about that. The way that the way that Palace play, there'll be a lot of long balls into the box. They'll, you know, they'll try and rough him up. I think at times um, he'll be busier. Um, you know, he was a spectator for most of that game on his debut. So uh, yeah, I think you know we'll see a lot more about what he's made of and, and about this Liverpool side in general. I think you know, Klopp, Klopp has spoken a few times this summer about you know how it's not just about the quality. Because he said, you know, when you look at our results against the top teams, the way that we played against Man City last season, we've shown we can beat anyone. You know, I think the the, the kind of where there's big room for improvement is is the way that Liverpool deal with those teams in the bottom half of the table. I think you look at the the points they dropped even against the teams that got relegated last season. Um, and we talked about, you know, fighting. He said, you know, it's not just about quality. We have to fight. We have to grind out results. And to be fair, Liverpool did that down at Palace last season when, you know, I think it was, what was it, back end of March, where they were really abject for 45 minutes and then ground it out in the second half. I think it'll be that kind of night again. You know, I think, um, as we know, the atmosphere down there can be absolutely brilliant when, when they really get behind them. But Liverpool need to ensure that... Uh, 
that they don't those fans aren't you know given a pick me up early on by by starting the game better than they did 12 months ago what do we think for the team then Alison and goal yeah of course yeah um, I'm saying Rabbit, yeah. Uh, Robertson Robertson left back I think we might be unchanged actually really yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting Jay yeah, I'd be surprised if he changed it. I think not even think Henderson or Fabinho the, the coming te- in. Temptation is there to, to bring one of them back in, yeah. but I don't mm. know. I think he might just keep it as it is. I mean, there's no need to freshen it up, is there? Because they've had like mm. what is it, eight days, eight days between yeah. games. So I just think that midfield works so well in that game against West Ham. I know West Ham were, at, you know, they're going to be facing a tougher test than Noble and, and Rice posed. Um, and Wiltshire. The, and where he was terrible as well, wasn't he? <laughs> so it's it, it's going to be you know a, a a more difficult proposition, but I, I don't think I don't think I'd change it just because I think I don't know how you could make a case for Wijnaldum, Milner, or Kaita deserving to miss out because you know all three of them were, were outstanding in that opening weekend. But it's yeah. almost Joe, not a question of deserving to miss out. It's horses for courses, isn't it? Do you feel as though maybe there is a scope for Fabinho to come in and play in that defensive? midfield role perhaps so I think it would be a tough first game for Fabinho I, I think more likely we'd see Henderson come in um, but yeah, do I think he's he, ready he, he seems to be doesn't he I mean Klopp t- spoke about how how good he came back in, in, in terms of shape in, in pre-season so it wouldn't surprise me if he came in but then Klopp did highlight today in his press conference the midfield work didn't he so I, d- I can't see him changing it I just think who like James said who would you drop out of those three Milner was absolutely phenomenal Cater enjoyed one of the better debuts we've seen and then Wijnaldum I think got through a lot of very good work and, and used the ball very well so I just don't see who you drop from that three so no yep. no changes I mean I, I think there is a case to be made for Fabinho making his first start but I think possibly might might have come a little bit too soon for him um, so I think it might just be what he played against West Ham I hope he doesn't play because then I'll have to rate him uh, <laughs> any <laughs> anyway we'll finish them with predictions Joe Oh, I don't, I don't like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right then, Gorsty. Uh, Gorsty, I'll leave Joe. <laughs> leave Joe. Come back to him. I think it might just be a hard fought one nil. Oh, I'm going to go with two two. Three one Liverpool. That's that's positive. Have you ever said Liverpool will ever like lose Mark any Robinson. game ever? Joe, coming back to you. I'm, I'm going to go with James. I'm going to go three one Liverpool. Three one Liverpool. Yeah. Fair enough. Right. Join us next week where we will look back at the game against Crystal Palace and ahead to the game against Brighton. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.